Welcome, everybody, to Spirituality Adventures. This is a non-judgmental place to explore spirituality, and so we're glad you're joining us. And in today's interview, I have Jessica Harp that is with us, and we're so excited to have Jessica here. Thank you for Ooh, joining us, here. Jessica. Yes. Um, some of our audience might not know you, mm-hmm. and I wanted you to take just a brief moment and kind of give us a little bit of your background and then maybe how we connected along okay. the way. Sure. And then I kind of want to get into your uh, recording and writing career and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my background, I was born and raised here in Kansas City. Um, I had about a 10-year period where I lived in Nashville, Tennessee, um, because my job was a country music recording artist. Um, I was in a band called The Wreckers, um, and then I had some solo work after The Wreckers. Um, so mostly have just been a singer-songwriter my entire life, and yeah, that's pretty much my background. Very cool. So I remember I, I met your dad back in the 90s. Yes. Working out. <laughs> your yes. dad, does he still work out? I bet he does, doesn't he? he? does not. Oh, he does. <laughs> he, he wants to get back to it, but he does not. <laughs> well, he was very fit. He was. I remember. He and was. um and so we just met through working out and we'd get to talking about everything under the sun. I mean, yes. I, your dad is a fascinating guy and he is uh, well read in very, so many things. He's very a mus- smart. he's a m- musician. Yeah, he is. Right? He is. That's where and my his love favorite of music band started. is The Almond Brothers. Brothers, right? And I was yeah. named after the song Jessica. That's great. Yeah. And so um so anyway, I just was I just enjoyed getting to know your dad and then somewhere along the way he brings a cassette tape to me. <laughs> Remember those? <laughs> yeah. And and by the way, I probably still have it in a box somewhere yeah, like when I, I you know, everything, you know, I never threw them away. Right. I just boxed them. <laughs> and so anyway, and he says, "This is my daughter." And I can't remember how old you were. I when I'm guessing that you were probably 15, yeah 16. a teenager. Yeah. And uh, I remember listening to it, mm-hmm. and I was going, "Oh my gosh, this is really good!" You know, because I mean, Dad's handing me their <laughs> yes. daughter's cassette tapes. <laughs> yes. I'm just like, ah, oh. I wasn't okay. even sure I was going to listen to it, but then all right. of a sudden I stuck it in. I was like, "Whoa, this is great!" <laughs> so yeah, and then I I would have seen you at. Uh, a wedding, mm-hmm. which evidently you were. I've done a few weddings. Asked to do a lot of weddings. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, and I, and then again, live. When mm-hmm. I heard you sing live, I was even like more, like, oh my gosh, she's had an incredible voice. Mm-hmm. You sang "Amazing Grace," and I did. it was just, I, did. I was blown away by your vocals. Thank actually. you. So, thank you. At any rate, um, I I don't know when you might have remembered. Bumping into me along the way, our paths crossed down the road after that. I am not for sure. I'm, I'm not sure if it was at church at the vineyard. I don't. It was probably before that. Um, it might have been the wedding. I knew about you because my dad talked about you, mm-hmm. um, and my dad talked about your church and what you were starting, mm-hmm. and um, so I can't remember for sure if it, if it was that wedding or if yeah. it was ultimately later at church. Right. Right. Well, that's fun. So, so I feel like I've been a fan of yours for a long time, right? <laughs> We've definitely known each other a long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. And and so I've followed your career, and so I wanted to kind of dive into that, yeah. talk a little bit about your uh, writing career, your your performance career, sure, and and then um, talk a little bit about some of your songs, some okay. of the lyrics and the songs, that kind of thing. So, um, I was noticing that there was a the evidently you put out a solo thing early, like in 2002, called Preface. I did, yeah. Which I don't think I have that. <laughs> you know what's funny? You can go on eBay. I actually just had a friend text me today and said, hey, do you have any more copies of Preface? Because someone's selling it on eBay for $200. Oh, wow. <laughs> so <laughs> If you sign it, it'll be worth more. Maybe probably. so. <laughs> yeah. Like, is it yeah. a CD? or It's a that? CD. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a... 10 or 11 song CD um, that was, you know, early, early songs that I'd written when I was a teenager. Yeah. So I'm curious, like, would some of those songs I might have heard on the cassette made it to the Possibly. Possibly okay. so. Yes. All right. Mm-hmm. So that's been a while. I I'm, I've may have heard of some, I may have listened to some of those. Yes. So 
you so you were doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, you just released that on your own, right? I did. Yeah. Just did a local recording here in town somewhere? Yeah. When I was in high school, that's, you know, I was trying ultimately to be a musician and that's kind of what I did. I just <laughs> I was trying very hard to make music, put it out there, hopefully get enough attention to get a record deal or a development deal. And um, so I ended up doing that through my very first entertainment attorney in Minneapolis. So I went up to Minneapolis to record oh, okay. that album. Yeah. And a studio that was up to the studio yes. was up there that you recorded in? I did. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then that was actually ultimately how I ended up meeting my friend, Michelle Branch, who I later formed the records with. Right. Right. Before we get to Michelle, okay. <laughs> I'm curious. So I read somewhere that you started singing at the age of three. I did. I have recordings to prove it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just that just, just started that's coming just out. That's what I loved. Yeah. I, I've loved it for as long as I can remember. And started writing, I mean, terribly writing, but writing probably when I was seven or eight. That's crazy, <laughs> it, it seems crazy. like to me. Did yeah. you did you have any, was it was just what you loved? Did you have it any was. sense that it was how God made you or anything like I that? Did. Or just I felt it was what I was put on the earth to do, wow. for sure. Interesting. Yeah. So, you know, some people spend a lifetime trying to figure that out. Yes. I was know? lucky. It's, you're lucky if you figure it out early on. I think on. it is, because yeah. like if... If you have that kind of clarity at such a young age, yes, it does. It does make uh, you know at least aspects of your path and journey a little a little more clear. It does. Right? It also makes some things more difficult. Right. I remember having teachers and counselors in school who you know you'd go in and they'd check in with you. What What are you thinking about college? And what are you thinking about what you want to do after school? I'm a musician. I'm going to be a musician. That's all there is to it. And I, I didn't always get very positive answers <laughs> about that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Did But did somebody encourage you other than your parents? I mean, my family and friends were all super, super all supportive. All on board. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. None of your teachers? Yeah, I actually not. remember my mom calling um, my guidance counselor in high school to have some not so friendly words with her about how she had discouraged me from following my dream. That's so, hilarious. yeah. <laughs> well, good parents, good parents. Yes, very um, supportive always. Yeah, so so you met so meeting Michelle was a was is has been a big part of your life. Oh, huge part, for sure. And tell us a little bit about that. And yeah. tell and just for those who don't know, tell tell the audience who Michelle is and then how you guys met and Kind yes. of what sparked from that relationship. Okay. So Michelle Branch is a Grammy Award winning, uh, well, when I first met her, pop singer. Um, when I first met her, actually, though, she it was just before she got a record deal or just around there. We were teenagers. Um, and I had prefaced, as we've talked about, my independent record. And she also had an independent record. And we had websites. And we're trying to promote our music and trying to get heard. And... Um, we had mutual fans who thought that we sounded alike. And so we started talking that way and just kind of instantly clicked in every way and became buddies. Um, Then shortly after that, she made her first uh, record for Maverick record label. Um, Who was Maverick under? Maverick was run by Guy Osiria, but it was owned by Madonna. It was Madonna's imprint label. Yes. That's that's what I remember. Yeah. So um, she put out her first single and she just kind of blew up right away. And it was a whirlwind immediately. And was this everywhere? It was everywhere. And and then all you wanted and mm -hmm. goodbye to you. And (laughs) several songs you've probably heard. (laughs) Yes. If you grew up in America. For sure. (laughs) (laughs) So. And that happened before you guys were touring, right? Well, we became friends before that, before all, that. kind of, okay. or in the midst of that starting to happen. Um, and then when things really started taking off for her quickly, you know, when that happens, your label instantly puts you in just this circus of concerts, interviews. You're basically just going 24 7. Um, and she wanted a friend with her. Um, the, the road gets lonely. <laughs> so probably in 1920. I kind of just took off with her and 19, 19 or 20 years old. Okay. Yeah. 
kind of just. <laughs> I thought you were in a previous life, yeah. 1920. <laughs> no, <I'm> just... <laughs> Maybe, like, you never know. <laughs> yeah. You're back again. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> All right, so, yeah. okay, so, so when you were 19 or 20, you, yeah, s- you start touring with kind Michelle. Kind of hit the road with her, okay. yeah. At we're, first as just a friend, just to hang out okay. and spend time. Um, and then kind of started singing background for her. Um, meanwhile, also working on my own stuff still, working on my own record deal. Somewhere along the line there, I got a development deal with Electra Records. Um, and then ultimately ended up deciding I wanted to spend some time in Nashville and go more the country music route. Um, so yeah, somewhere in the midst of all that, I got offered, um, a deal from an indie record label in Nashville. And literally I was in my car driving to Nashville to sign that deal. And Michelle called and said, stop, don't do it. We've been joking about starting a band for a long time. Let's do it. What do you think? (laughs) So that was kind of a big crossroads and big decision. You know, but ultimately, I turned down the deal and went with Michelle, and we started writing more music and getting ready to make an album. Awesome. So when so Michelle's second album mm-hmm. was one that you did a lot of background vocals on, right? I did some background. What is the name vocals. of that? Hotel, Hotel Paper. Hotel Paper. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you were so you'd already been touring with her by the time you did yes. that album. Yeah. With her. And, and what, did your touring take you all over the United States? All over the U.S. Um, I remember we went to Japan with Michelle um, when she was touring Hotel Paper. We went to Guam. Um, but I think somewhere in there we went to Paris, but mostly, mostly it was U.S. Mostly U.S. And was she of- was she headlining all of her concerts at this pretty quickly by that point yeah for sure yeah for sure and then did you guys team up with other artists did you become friends with some other artists in those touring days like did you have openers and there were openers and then you know occasionally a lot of times um she would play you know headlining club shows but then occasionally she would open for someone um i remember one time i sang with her she was opening for cheryl crow um there was like a several gig stint that we did. This was the most interesting by far with the Dixie Chicks. Okay. Um, and people n- even kind of equated you a little bit, right. didn't they? They're, yeah. Not, um, not, I don't know. Anyway. People in Nashville, for sure, when the records first started, yeah. said that reminds us of the Chicks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but the most interesting part about those shows with the Chicks is it was right when Everything had kind of blown up with them, and they like were like their political statements yes. and all that. Yeah, <laughs> and literally, there was a show in Dallas where there were bomb squads oh. checking things out before we went on stage. Oh, yeah. So there's the always crazier. been some craziness in <laughs> yes. this United <laughs> States of ours, moments. right? Yes. Oh gosh. Wow. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. So, um, so you you've formed the Wreckers. Mm-hmm. And this was, uh, what, what year did that album come out? 06? Let's see. Or? Was it 05 or 06? I think it was 06, 06. that it came out. But so, we probably started writing and working on it in 04. Okay. I would say. And then you co-wrote several of the songs mm-hmm. on the co-wrote record. Co-wrote several. I wrote a couple by myself. She wrote a couple by herself. Right. Um, we did a cover on there, a Patty Griffin song called One More Girl. Patty Griffin okay. was one of our favorite singer-songwriters. Mm-hmm. All right. And so that, did you release uh, Leave the Pieces single first? It was first, yes. And it, did it blow up instantly? It blew up. Let's see. It was released, I want to say, in maybe April, March or April of that year. And it went number one in August. Wow. So. Yeah, it was pretty pretty fast and furious. Lightning bolt, huh? It was, yeah. And when did you start touring that? Because the album, before, the full album wasn't released yet. We started touring before the album was released. Okay. Um, we started opening for other artists. Um, I remember that whole summer, I believe, we opened for Rascal Flats. Um, nice. 
And then literally every day that we weren't doing a show with Rascal Flats, we were headlining our own small club shows. So we were playing, playing a lot of shows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And did you can, how long did you tour uh, the Wreckers album? A couple of years. A okay. couple of years. Yeah, about two full years. All U.S. stuff? Yes. Okay. Yeah. All U.S. Um, Just about everywhere. <laughs> yeah. So you so the so you got nominated mm-hmm. for a Grammy for the performance for a do is it, was it a duet performance for Lee the or I'm not I sure. I think it was the for, categories. I'm I always it for, was for country single of the year. I believe. Okay. Yeah. Country single. So you're mm-hmm. nominated for the Grammy. Who won it that year? The chicks. Oh, did they? <laughs> for their All not right. ready to make nice. So did you song. go to the Grammys in? Did we? I don't. No, we couldn't go. Okay. Because we were on the road. And oh. There wasn't time in our schedule. <laughs> I was just curious. Yeah. That's, uh, that's such we a... did the Country Music Award show rounds, okay. but I we weren't able to go to the Grammys. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's such an honor to get nominated. Yes. And then this this album went gold. Yes, it did. That's amazing. It did. Yeah, and actually, it's it's continued selling. It's kind of amazing how much it just caught on and hung on because now it's probably sold closer to platinum wow. at this point. That's fun. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So touring, how? So what's the biggest audience you think you have performed in front of? Oh boy, mm. that's hard to say. I mean, we did a lot of arena shows opening for people. You know, I mentioned Rascal Flats. We opened for Keith Urban um, for a while. So you're talking twenty thousand yeah. type settings. Yeah. Although we did, um, <laughs> I don't know if this counts, but we did with Santana. Uh, play a song at um, an NFL opening night thing um, at the Patriots <laughs> Stadium. So there were probably more people there. <laughs> Wasn't that a Thanksgiving? Was, was it, it Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving? I can't remember. I don't think it was. Okay. Yeah, it was like a September thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, cool. Um, yeah, so lots of success, like pretty pretty fast. Very fast. I mean, it, Very fast. it wasn't like you were... Playing little dinky, smoky clubs all over the United States for 10 years or something. Definitely like that. not. It was very fast and, yeah, a little head spinning. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, what, what, why did, so with such a huge success on mm-hmm. your first Wreckers album? Yeah. You know, obviously, I'm sure the big question, and I'm sure you've explained it many times, but why did you decide to go solo at that point? Yeah. Um, I think the short answer is that um, relationships are complicated, (laughs) and especially relationships between young people. We were young. We were kids. We were in our early 20s. Um, And I think that we both still had – we both wanted the records. We both loved the records, but I think we both also still had other things that we wanted to do. And the records blew up so big so fast, and – you know, everyone in your orbit is kind of just wanting to that train to continue going. Um, sometimes for good reasons and sometimes for not so good reasons. Um, so I think ultimately we were probably too young and immature to focus on our relationship, personal and, and music, um, and kind of shut out the noise around us, um, to, stay together at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But a very productive co-writing. Very productive. Uh, and up to that. For sure. The best mm-hmm. musical relationship I've ever had. Is that um, right? Yeah. We had very much just a sisterly type of relationship personally and professionally. Mm-hmm. Um, we just singing together always just felt very natural. Writing together always felt very natural. We were just kind of on the same page. It just was one of those things that just clicked and worked. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, uh, it's an experience I treasure for sure. Yeah, definitely. It's, yeah, it's, it was it was fun to to watch it from a distance. Yes. So, rooting for the hometown gal. Right? <laughs> yes, thank you. Then then you decided to go solo, and you mm-hmm. did your solo solo album called "A Woman Needs," mm-hmm. right? And I did. It looked. Mo- you wrote most of these songs yourself. All, I did. Maybe one or wrote two co-wrote. Co-wrote, mm-hmm. co-writes here and there. Yes. Yeah. Um, so how did, what, you came out with that in what, oh, what, oh, eight? Is that oh, eight? Yes. 
or the single. Well, yeah. Yeah, maybe towards the end of 08. First single like was in 08. Was mm-hmm. that Boy Like Me? It was. Okay. Mm-hmm. And was that the biggest hit off of it your was. solo album, it was. Boy Like Me? I think me? it got to 30 on the charts. Yeah. Um, yes. Um, there was definitely a lot of support behind it, but um, country music, and especially being a female in country music, you're sort of held to a little bit of a different standard. And there were a lot of country radio stations that refused to play my first single because it talked about making love and drinking till the sun comes up. Really? Yes. Now, if you listen to country radio, you might hear that men sing about those things quite frequently, (laughs) but apparently being a female singing about those things is not so great. (laughs) In 08. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Yes. So I feel like that's why it kind of... Topped out at at thirty. <laughs> That's fascinating. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Double standards everywhere. Huh? For sure. For Interesting. Sure. Yeah. What What label was this album on? Warner oh. Brothers. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you signed with Warner Brothers as the re- well as the records we signed with Maverick. Um, but then when everybody realized we were kind of going the Nashville country music route, um, Warner Nashville ended up kind of taking over. Okay. Yeah. So when like when you go in and I, I always forget, like in music, the producer, mm-hmm. is that the person that um, kind of does the sound engineering? Is that? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Um, the, you know, producers and directors and all these it's kind of the get, symphony director. Mm-hmm. You know, what if you play this part here? And what if did you, you find your, did you find a good co relationship with a producer for my solo album Uh yes for sure um my husband at the time one of his best friends um his name is jerry flowers um jerry is an amazing singer and songwriter in his own right um he's spent much of his career touring uh with keith urban um as his bassist okay um but he is just an all-around unbelievably talented guy um and he was trying to kind of you know dip his toes in the producing world and so I ended up uh, co-writing a lot of stuff with him and asked him to produce it. And it was a, it was a great experience. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. And so you, you toured this album, right? I did. I okay. did. Not as extensively as the records, but I, yeah, for mm-hmm. sure I did. And the, the, that was a U.S. tour? Mm-hmm. Yes. Did you tour it for one or two years, something like that? I would say off and on for a year. Okay. Um. Long enough to put out a second single. Um, And then that's where things got sort of complicated in my life. Um, The whole record label end of things was difficult. Um, Right about the time they were putting out my second single, um, the head of Warner Nashville left and someone new came in. And when that happened, everything just kind of froze and all the momentum that I'd been building for months and months and months with my first single just kind of dropped. And yeah, I, I had, by that point, I just gotten to a very frustrated point with my label, with, you know, that world as a whole, and just kind of was feeling the need to step back and step out of mm-hmm. it for a while. And so this was what, 2010, something like that? Around there, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, so I just kind of made the decision to step back from recording, touring, all that, and just wanted to kind of go and write songs and possibly, you know, try to write songs for other people and Mm -hmm. just do something different for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Um, On on this album, A Woman Needs, you had uh, Vince Gill popped on one of the songs. Yes. Did you, had had that been... uh, somebody you'd met and specifically wanted him to... I, uh, no, I was just a huge Vince fan. He's one of the most incredible country male vocalists of all time. Mm-hmm. I just love his voice. And so we had just asked to see if he would. We thought he would sound good on that song. And he said yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Homemade love. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good... I like that song. And he's just a genuine, wonderful man. Cool. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, did you have so were there after this this solo album released? Mm-hmm. Were was there just like that one digital release after like there weren't there wasn't a second album right? After no, that just one. just a woman needs that album okay. was the only solo and one. So yeah. the, that so there was none of your other songs have been released since then. Nope. 
Okay. No, I ended up taking a big, long hiatus. Yeah, so you're probably (laughs) sitting on a lot of songs, right? Yeah, yeah, I doubt there there are definitely a lot of songs, for Uh sure. Mm -hmm. So I want to ask you a few questions about the creative process and maybe some of the songs in particular that you have written or co-written on that kind of thing. Um, I'm curious, um, what, you know, so you say you started writing when you're eight, Okay. I did. So not well, mind you, but <laughs> yeah. no. Uh, so I'm, I, I'm curious, the creative process for me is an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I'm curious what goes into your best creative moments. What, and, and you might think about the, the, the environment that you write in, mm-hmm. how ideas come to your mind, mm-hmm. how, how they get translated into, both lyrics and and music and all you know, just the creative process. Where does how does that work for you? Has it changed over uh, time? It's definitely changed for sure. Um, when I was younger, I I really don't know where it came from. Honestly, that's probably something that I would attribute to for me being a god thing. It just you know. It would just come to me, you know, lyrics would just come to me. You know, there were a lot of songs, Tennessee, Cigarettes, those songs that I wrote by myself on the Records album. I probably wrote those in 20 or 30 minutes. And I, you know, it's just lightning in a bottle type thing. And it's really, really hard to explain. (laughs) Yeah. And so when you say a song song comes to you in 20 or 30 minutes, Mm -hmm. does it matter? Can that happen anywhere? Like, are you in, in your bedroom? Are you in your house? Are you outside somewhere? Are you in a studio space writing? Or you? Well, it depends. I mean, if you're writing by yourself, for me, it's easier to just, you know, be in a quiet, chill, peaceful space. Um, but, you know, one of the big things in Nashville is co-writing. That's just, mm-hmm. you know, part of that whole community. And, you know, they'll have two, three, four, five people in a room working on a song together. And, you know, when you go into that type of setting, you might bring in, oh, here I wrote a verse or here, hey, hey, here's a melody and, you know, see if you can expand on it. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, for me, I don't know. I don't know exactly how it comes. I know that I've always been a deep thinking, deep feeling person um, and music especially when I was younger, um, was the easiest way for me to get me to express myself and all those big thoughts and feelings. Um, and yeah, it just kind of started pouring out at a certain point. So you, so you definitely feel like it comes from a spiritual place in you. For sure. And there's, there's a sense of, um, uh, this is what you're made for. For sure. Kind of it feels feel like it. God gave me these tools and mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I use yeah. them as best I can. So Tennessee is interesting to me because uh, because of the self-doubt mm-hmm. in that song. Mm-hmm. Um, the, you know, maybe I was too selfish mm-hmm. and how, you know, in any relationship, I mean, even, even in one that doesn't break up, but how it goes through rough spots. Right. Um. Self doubt is, it's huge. It's a big one, isn't it's it? It's huge. Yeah, for sure. I'm curious. Uh, uh, do you process like if you go through a rough patch in mm-hmm. a relationship? Mm-hmm. Let's just say with anybody. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, do you tend to blame the other person first or blame yourself first? Now I would say it's much easier for me to blame myself. Um, when I was younger, I would say it was a lot easier to blame other people. Um, but I think being able to <clears throat> really take a good hard look at yourself is a, a very positive thing. Um, you know, when you're in a relationship with somebody, you can only do so much to affect what the other person ultimately feels, wants, does. Um, but if you're willing to take responsibility for your issues, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a lot easier to come together with someone else. Mm-hmm. It's such a tricky thing. It, it is. It? <laughs> it is. It is. It's not always easy. Yeah. So I, I've, 
I my audience knows I you know I've been in recovery and recovery and all this kind of yes. stuff and I've but I've noticed in the recovery world that a lot of people like I didn't have a long drinking career right. you know addiction career any of that kind of I it hit me pretty fast and furious yes late in life right yes it took me down fast mm-hmm. but I would say that my observation is that a lot of people who um, who have had long extended <laughs> <laughs> addiction careers, mm-hmm. uh, blaming others is huge. Oh yeah, for sure. And so then, then a part of a part of the healing process is like you know this phrase that they have is like take taking care of your side of the street. Yes. Which is the only thing you really have responsibility over, right? Right. You can't control the other person. You can't, you know, so blame, it doesn't get you very far relationally, right? Right. My 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 deal, with, I tend to over blame. Mm-hmm. Like I tend to move into shame yes. pretty quickly. Yeah. So like I will immediately go inward mm-hmm. and then immediately reflect so anything that's self doubt, like Tennessee, right? I I latch on to that because I'm oh god, I've been there. Yeah. Yes, for sure. <laughs> um, and, uh, and I'm and also really good at writing sad songs. Like I'll tell you, being in a happy place in life is really not good for me as far as songwriting I about goes. Tally, tallying up which ones are breakups and which <laughs> yeah. ones are looking forward to love. Most you know? of them are sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I was interested, a couple of metaphors that you play with in a few different places, mm-hmm. uh, train, trains, trains, and dirt roads. Who doesn't love a train? <laughs> dirt roads, that's, I mean, that's just a country music uh-huh, thing right there. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, you know, I'm a gravel bike rider. Yeah. So I ride out all these gravel roads north of, between Weston and yes. Lathrop and all north of Smithville and uh, get out there. <laughs> On country In sticks, yeah, yeah. <laughs> get lost a little bit. Yeah, you know? it's nice. But um, like my oh my uh, comes up the change component to that kind of kind of reminded me of um, what was the uh, old was it Joni Mitchell's Park? Uh, yes, that you know that that deal, deal of, of taxi. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, Joni. Yeah. So, but that the dirt road turn into a parking lot right. and whatever stores the it was, and the Sonic and Walgreens. Yeah, all, <laughs> yeah. The, all the different stores. But um, but that idea of change, and I, I wondered who, because like you grew up in the, what we call the Northland in Kansas City. People be listening to us that aren't from Kansas City. Yes. But we grew up in the Northland, yes. right? And just in your lifetime, mm-hmm. you've watched a lot of gravel road, dirt roads turn into paved roads. You've watched a lot of fields turn into parking lots and Absolutely. development, right? Absolutely. I mean, um, the house I grew up in, um, when my parents bought that land and built our house, there was nothing. It was all farmland. It was all cattle. And now there's, you know, schools and housing yeah. developments and just everything right around it. So I live just... I I sold this house after you know after I went through my divorce, but uh-huh. um, I lived in Staley Hills. Yes, which is literally which is one of those developments. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. Exactly. <laughs> but I know I know where you grew up there. Yeah. And uh, such a great spot. It is, and it still feels a little country as soon as you it hit does. that road. You know, it does. Yeah. There's enough plots of land there that mm-hmm. they've kind of kept that road at least with but the country gosh. feeling. I mean, Staley High School went in. Oh, and yeah. I mean, it's just crazy. It blew up in this it's area. Just crazy. Yeah. I used to be able to ride my bike across uh, Cookingham. Sorry, mm-hmm. audience, for <laughs> running into a local reference here. But uh, now there's times at five o'clock at night where the, the traffic is so bad on 291 Cookingham there in the Northland that I can't even, I have to wait 10 minutes to get across the street. I bet. I bet. It's just it's, crazy. It is. It is. So uh, stand still, look pretty. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That was um, that was probably a way for Michelle and I to give a little bit of a finger at the music industry in general. <laughs> um, you know, as we talked about with the whole country music thing, it's really not. You know, misogyny um, is sort of entertainment industry wide, um, and that's sort of the place where that song was born from. I was curious because it has 
one of the elements in it that struck me was the the external image mm-hmm. versus the true self. Right. And so you guys were writing this as people who were a little bit pissed off. Yeah. Yeah. At sort of this mold right. that you were trying to be fit into. <laughs> yes. Is that There's a good, definitely a mold for is that sure. A good way to mm-hmm. say it. Yeah. And maybe that mold's not you. Right. Right. And then how long but do you... But you got to fit in it. Yeah. But then how long do you play that role until you feel... Where you completely fall apart? Yes. Yeah. Well, we did. So, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you understand my interest in this question. I do. I do. <laughs> For sure. So here I am, Pastor Fred, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I mean, all, you can be... All pastors are super godly people. Yes. And yeah. then all of a sudden... Yeah. But just as humans, you know, we can, like the song says, sort of be completely falling apart inside, but, you know, we show a different face to the to yeah. the world. Yeah. That's a challenging one. I'm it curious, is. when you were touring, are do you feel like, did you get energy from performing? I did. Yeah. So you liked... Performing live is was definitely my favorite part for sure. Okay, cool. So obviously, which is weird because I'm actually kind of a introvert. That's what I was wondering, and a little shy, um, and I definitely get like crazy stage fright. Um, So yeah, it's weird that I (laughs) liked being on stage so much. So I would get nervous before every time I spoke, Mm -hmm. and so I can, I can, and I, I, I felt. I was a shy kid growing up, mm-hmm. fairly introverted, mm-hmm. and then now I have this. I'm always in the public eye, yes. always in the public eye, always in the public eye. Not not the kind of audiences that you were playing to, but still, s- still several thousand people For at sure. t- you know toward the 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 end. And um, yeah, I would. It had a wear and tear on me. Yeah, it does. Um, but once I started talking, mm-hmm. it felt like something else took over. Yeah, absolutely. I can completely relate. Yeah, I wondered. Sure. It's like all of a sudden, boom, mm-hmm. you hit a zone or something. Yeah, and I would feel like I was going to completely throw up and not be able to breathe before I went on stage. Uh, and then I was just fine. And then do you, like adrenaline Yeah, I think adrenaline kind of takes over a little bit. Yeah, but then afterwards. And then you start you, just connecting with people and you just kind of settle into the moment. Can you think of a like one of the more magical moments that you had in a big audience performing that you like you just felt like maybe the whole the whole moment was a little bit transcendent or something like that? One of my favorite shows that I can remember, um, just since we're talking about Kansas City, um, my very first record show, headlining record show here in Kansas City after Leave the Pieces had kind of blown up. And get out on stage and, you know, it's kind of an exhilarating moment of here I am performing in my hometown um, in front of people who maybe doubted me, who (laughs) didn't think I was ever going to make it to this point. You know, it's a little bit of that moment. But then like to look out and see all these faces that I hadn't seen in years, people I grew up with, people Mm. I went to school with, um, just Mm. The love and the smiles and the support there in that room was nice. just, yeah, was kind of a next level type show. Cool. I like that. All right. Um, I I like the line in A Woman Needs. Mm-hmm. That, that That's the title song mm-hmm. to the album. It's my daughter's she, favorite song of mine right oh, now. Oh, is it really? <laughs> it is. She's obsessed with and it. Tell everybody how old your daughter is. She is two. Two. <laughs> two going on 12. <laughs> yeah. That's her favorite. It is right Very now. cool. Yeah. Does she sing it? She does. She's singing it she, too. It too. She's not Uh-oh. great at speaking yet, but she's pretty darn good at singing. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. So you started singing at three. Mm-hmm. She started at two. I know. Uh-oh. I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I will be a stage mom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This this phrase, she can take the road she's never known. And mm-hmm. a woman needs to be able to take the road she's never known. Yes. I love that it's phrase. It's an important thing for anybody to, you know, have the have the courage to explore things in their lives that, you know, 
speak to them. Mm-hmm. It can be scary. It can be very scary. Yeah. And I feel like probably a lot of people don't go for things that they mm-hmm. want because they are scared. Um, but yeah, if you can take those risks and find that courage, yeah. the payoff can be really huge. That's that's a part of what spirituality adventures is about. Mm-hmm. And it feels very scary to me because yes. it's it's different it's new. Than, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm and I'm much older than yes. I used to be. <laughs> younger when you're younger, the risks feel like more fun. I they think. do. <laughs> they do for sure. <laughs> now I know what it feels like to crash and burn. Yes. Like, oh, I, don't, I don't have too many of these in me, you know. Right. <laughs> um, hey, makes you stronger. Right. Lonely anywhere. Mm-hmm. That is one I actually did not write. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I was thinking you wrote that one. No, that was um. Oh, Liz Rose and. Okay. Who else? Did you? Yeah. Did you you didn't contribute to it? I you did just, not. Okay, I just, just sang it, it, but I I love it. All right, good good song. Yes. Um, follow that train. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That's the train image. Yes. And you have that a couple of different places, and you know, in your in the songs you've written. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't know if there's a specific reason I kept coming back to that, or if did, have you ridden trains a, a lot? A I'm just curious. Or just a <laughs> I, don't know, I haven't ridden a lot of yeah. trains really, but you know, who doesn't love the sound of a lonesome whistle blowing? <laughs> well, it's. I mean, it's a lot. It can take you somewhere new. Mm-hmm. It can. But it can also take you back home. Take you back home, mm-hmm. but it can also mean you're leaving something behind That's, too. Yes. You know, so it, it, it a lot of it works. <laughs> a lot of roads there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, but follow. I'll follow that train anywhere, and you, and then good enough for me. Mm-hmm. Is anywhere you are. Those are some of your really big. You know, kind of mm-hmm. like all in love songs, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, which I had some outside help from. Good Enough for Me is, again, Good Enough for Me is actually a Carrie Underwood co-write that was meant for one of her albums that she didn't end up recording. Um, Interesting. And I ended up recording it. Nice. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Well, that's fun. Um, I am uh, curious as to what music you listen to that inspires you. I listen to truly a little bit of everything. Yeah, it kind of just depends on the day. Um, you know, I I'm like a big pop music person. Like I just love a really good hooky melody. I love 90s music cuz that's that's probably when my love of music just sort of exploded and became, you know, an even bigger thing. I I love older country music. I don't love where country music has headed these days. But um, I love older country music. I love classic rock. I love um, blues. I love, you know, I just, I truly kind of listen to everything. Okay. I also really, really get into um, very kind of folky singer-songwriter stuff. Um, that's kind of my jam because, you know, that's that's what I do. I sit with a guitar is, and write. Is there one of those Groups that come to mind or Patty Griffin is okay. by far like my number one in that okay. genre. Yeah, okay. she's amazing. What 90s stuff? Oh man, <laughs> well, lately I just pull up my 90s playlist yeah, on yeah. Spotify and listen to whatever, yeah. but we all can cheat you know, that way. Like right? Jewel and Alanis Morissette were really big for me in the 90s. Um, you know, Nirvana, all that stuff, just right. Yeah, yeah, that's that's good music. It though. is. It's great music. <laughs> <laughs> I it's so funny because the eighties the for me, you know, I was a seventies prog rock mm-hmm. kid. So I was into Kansas and Emerson yes. Lake and Palmer and Yes and Ario Speedwagon. You just you know, Love name all that stuff. And um and then when <laughs> Some the eighties stuff. <laughs> yeah, and when the eighties hit, I never got on board with the hairband stuff. Yeah. That the eighties is where you kind of lose me for a minute. There's some but, really good stuff. But, but I started listening to Sunday Bloody Sunday U2's mm-hmm. first album. Mm-hmm. And I started listening to R.E.M. Mm-hmm. I started listening to some of the, like Echo and the Bunnymen and just mm-hmm. some of this. Uh, There's some good stuff in some, there. Some, uh, you know, I don't know if it's what you'd call indie punk or something like that. Right. I don't know. But um, so there was some stuff I ended up finding. But when 90s hit, I was like, oh. Yeah. I, I loved the grunge scene. I yes. loved 
that Alanis Morissette album, and which kind of makes me wonder, like, so you write about so much love and breakup, right? yes, and then you're in. And like I remember when Alanis Morissette's album came out, you know, Just the Jagged Little Pill, one of the and best I, albums well, ever. She was like what? She was probably her early twenties. Then at that point, you know, yeah. the rawness. Oh yeah, you're like, <laughs> have you really gone through this much bad yes. shit? You know, <laughs> you can believe me. <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Oh man. Yeah. Well, that's. That's good music. I, I, uh, I, I, I like a big, broad Me too. bunch of music, too. So yeah. how do you get replenished? What do you do f- to have fun? And what are some of your just like hobbies and stuff? Have we been having fun in the last year? I'm curious. <laughs> I'm not sure that we've been having much COVID fun in the last fun. year. Woo. I have spent a lot of time in my house with my, with my daughter in the last year, truly. Yeah, I, I haven't really been doing fun things, but I'm sure there are fun that fun things will happen again. <laughs> What's your daughter's favorite things? Her favorite things, well, music is like super at the top of her yeah. list. Yeah, um, she also loves like she's trying to actually, I think, like tumble and do gymnastics, and she's constantly doing dangerous things that you know make me want to pull my hair out. But it's also really cute, so. I'm sure gymnastics is in her future. She also loves to dance. So, yeah. She's a bit of a ham. Cool. <laughs> She's performing. She is. Wow. <laughs> I think some of that stuff comes early like that. I you think know? it does. And it's like you don't, you don't have to teach them certain no, things, no. right? No, she hmm. definitely just sort of came out that way. Yeah. Well, Help help everybody know because some of your fans are going to be tuning in here. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you get asked a thousand times, so what's next? What's on the horizon? Are you writing? If you are writing, what does that look like? All that kind of stuff. I am writing. Um, I'm kind of playing around, so I don't I don't know exactly what shape it's taking yet. But um, I will say that Michelle and I have sort of been plotting for a potential. Wreckers return. Mm. So we'll see. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's going to make a lot of people excited. Mm. It seems like it. <laughs> it seems like we've had pretty good reaction so far. That's cool. It's awesome. Well, fun. So how how do you guys write together? Do you have to get in the same space? Do you well, I'm share sure lyrics? we will. We've mm-hmm. not yet. We've just sort of in the preliminary stages of mm-hmm. talking about it. She's um, finishing up solo music and um, yeah, she also has a, a two year old. So we're, oh, wow. <laughs> we're both, <laughs> yeah. You both have two year olds. Yes. Her son, she has a 14, is Owen 14, 14 year old daughter. Um, and then her son is two. Her son was born exactly three months before my daughter. So you're going to yeah. be, you're going to be Busy. connected for a while. <laughs> yeah. That's yes. probably a lifelong for sure friendship thing. Well, that's cool. Well, um, I would love to have you um, play one of your songs for us. I would love to do that. All right. <laughs> okay. Let's do it. Sounds good. All right. Well, Jessica, thanks for being here with us today. Thank you for and, having me. And uh, thank you for bringing your guitar. Yes. And I see you brought your trusty Gibson. I did. All right. J45. There you go. <laughs> what song are you going to do? I am going to play Tennessee, which was a record song, um, one that I wrote and one that's close to my heart. <laughs> I love this song. Thank you. Thank you for playing it. Thank you.
beautiful song thank you yeah that it draws your heart into a longing for all these things yes <laughs> hope love a place to feel yourself i don't I know mean, so many so for many sure. components to that so beautiful thank you well thank you Thanks for joining us. Thanks, everybody, for joining us at Spirituality Adventures. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Harvey Media Production.